You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. And welcome back to another episode of Medically Unbiased. It's going to be a little bit of the raw Medically Unbiased edition because we haven't spoke for a couple weeks. We've both been really busy um, dealing with life, liberty, and work. And so it's just been kids and everything else. It's been difficult to try and get together to put together a podcast. So I apologize to our audience of two, uh, all three of you now or whatever is. I haven't looked at the stats, but uh, I apologize that we haven't been in. However, we're back, so you get to, you know, listen in to another episode of Medically Unbiased today. Yeah, we're back, baby. All right. So, Mr. Ron, what do you have for us in the bag today? Well, let's talk COVID raw. <laughs> COVID. It's, wow. Man, if it's happening in the world today, it's COVID. It's got, I don't understand. Medically, that seems to be it. There's no new, you know, amazing valves being invented for for hearts there's no new procedures there's nothing it's covid well there even if there was nobody'd be talking about it nobody'd be talking about it because it doesn't affect the election right right so that's kind of where we're at but for covid you know uh recently there was those physicians you know what's interesting i i think why is every physician um that's being broadcast like via YouTube or however it's being disseminated mm-hmm. is being turned off, shut down. Um, physicians, you know, reaching out to people, just expressing their concerns and, you know, about this virus, you know, is it okay. bad? Is it not bad? Or, you know, the, the, the raw data that they're trying to, you know, disseminate and, just seems to go away, seems to disappear. If it doesn't, you know, it just seems really odd. So you're saying that people are speaking up about different situations, you mean? And then it's being, like, you can't find it, yeah. the information after they've posted it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I listened to the the physicians that were just uh, speaking out about, you know, their their feelings about COVID and you know, what medications they feel is going to, you know, works for it. You know, some of them are mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's a cure. I don't, I don't believe that per se, but. Oh, you mean, so recently that video of the four, was it four or five physicians yeah. in lab coats? Yeah. And I think they were in Washington, they right? Were in Washington, yeah. And they were talking about, there was one lady there from, she was educated in Africa or something. Yeah. Uh, talking about there's a cure for COVID yeah. and people are crazy for thinking there's not. Yeah, even kind of what she was even saying. though there's been studies, there's been studies out of China. Okay, and then there was a double blind study on it. You know, that's not really showing that it's going to cure, but it maybe it doesn't help as if you give it to people early enough, it would help. I think. Okay. But, yeah. So the first study that I know the first study you're talking about, and they said in that particular study that if the hydroxychloroquine does not work to cure COVID-19. And they said in the study, and there was a Newsweek article on it, that they said uh, they didn't give it to patients early. These were late patients who had it late. Yeah. Were in the throes of whatever particular situation, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were deep in the illness. Yeah, because they were saying, they being the the Those physicians, doctors. yeah, in Washington. Okay. Saying, you know, get get high quark, um, hydroxy. Hydroxychloroquine. Thank you. Yes. And zinc. Yeah. And Zithromax. Yeah. And. Like we should. So the thing I don't like about that is we're talking like using penicillin. Like they used penicillin for everything when yeah. penicillin came out. And now everyone who's over sixty five is allergic to penicillin. Yeah, the only the only not everyone, but yeah. You know. Well, are they saying it's a bacterial infection because it's all antibiotics? I thought it's viral. Viral should not antibiotics should not work for viral unless it's an antiviral. Isn't hydroxychloroquine an anti- I antiviral? I think yeah, it is antiviral. Yeah, but Zithromax isn't. But people use hydroxychloroquine for off label use. They use it for people with arthritis. Yeah, your parents. Yeah, my parents are on it. Yeah. Both on it but, for you know, arthritis. I think the Zithromax, I, I'm not sure where the zinc comes in because I don't recall. I've seen that posted numerous times from different sources as well. Yeah, but the Zithromax, I would think, would fight off any type of secondary infection related to yeah, it know, would. pneumonia or whatever. It would. Um, yeah, I don't know. I So I have my mixed feelings about those people coming out and saying this stuff, not that they're necessarily wrong, but the, they come at it and they say that they're, they are exactly right. And I think that to me is what's wrong currently with the entire medical profession. Everyone wants to be right. Nobody wants to discuss plausibles. We used to work in hypotheticals, right? We used to say, look, this drug or this particular thing, it could treat somebody. It could work. And let's give it a shot. Let's try it. And I think most physicians tried that early on. We we were th- for COVID-19 specifically. Yeah. They were throwing shit up against the wall to see what stuck and to see what worked, right? Um, I don't know that they've actually found anything that is the silver bullet to cure, stop, or eliminate all of it, right? Yeah. So when doctors come out and say, this is the cure, I think that's a little misleading. Misleading? Are, are, first off, are we utilizing those three, three medications currently for patients or people that are asymptomatic or symptomatic? Well, that lady on that video said that she has colleagues in herself and her entire staff takes it prophylactically. Now, I'm not on it, nor do I know anybody on it yeah. prophylactically. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't know millions of people. I know a few well, hundred well, people. I think that's their concern, though. Their concern is that it's not being released or it's not available for the mass public to utilize. I think that was the other thing she was saying. Well, yeah, here's my dilemma is in any of this is that we were told, we in the medical community in Nevada were told that I could not prescribe it. Yeah, for, by, by, the, by our governor. By the governor. Yeah. He dictated that we weren't allowed to prescribe the med. Now, conspiracy theories, theories abound as to why or what or what the reasoning for. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it on my, on my end because I don't treat, specifically treat COVID patients. Yeah. I treat cardiovascular patients. So the odds of me writing that prescription for a patient for an underlying cardiovascular disease is zero. Yeah. 
I'm not going to write that drug for them. Let me ask you this. Do you, would you ask for a uh, swab or a rapid or a blood work before you even started treating from cardio, cardiovascular disease? For like, what, explain what meaning, you mean. Meaning, so if they come in, the patient comes into the ER and it has an elevated troponin. In, well, let's say they come into your office for whatever reasons they're coming in for. Okay. Are you going to rule out COVID first before you move forward with any other um, treatment? Treatment? No. You mean like if they have high blood pressure, am I going to rule out COVID? Yeah. No. If they're in stage one high blood pressure, they'll probably get some meds. If yeah. they've got high cholesterol, they'll probably get some meds. I mean, my goal would be to diet them down from their high triglycerides rather than give them drugs, but some people would rather have the drug. Yeah, it's it's hard to, it would be hard for you to explain, I guess, the the other medications and COVID because you don't really treat people. No, I don't, but that's the, that's the misnomer is that I think people around here, so a lot of family physicians are treating everything. I specialize in adult cardiology yeah right so i don't i i can't speak from knowledge of what it's like on the quote-unquote front lines i hate that term personally i have friends in the military they've actually been on the front lines yeah and they risk death now everyone's like well you risk death when you're treating covid well okay yeah you probably do early on a lot of nurses and physicians have passed sadly they passed away yeah because they were doing intubations or whatever now do i blame them for doing the procedure wrong no i blame the world health organization osha jaco uh the cdc national institutes of health for not having the proper data and proper ppe available and i blame the hospitals for not providing the proper equipment so that these highly skilled and highly trained medical professionals don't get sick while intubating sick patients which we've been doing for years yeah intubating people yeah and it's you been know, around for a while i've intubated people as a medic i intubated people but then as a nurse practitioner i've intubated people as well so you know my point here is that i think that we as a society failed those medical professionals by not providing the proper equipment but do I feel like they're on the quote unquote front lines? No. I don't think I don't I think that's a horrible mischaracterization of the job. You know? Yeah, I just think like the physicians that are speaking out or you know, having a press conference explaining their concerns or thoughts about what's going on and mm-hmm. trying to treat or do no harm. Right. You know, that is their oath, right? To do no Correct. harm. And they I think they truly believe that they and they want to help. Yeah. But I think it's important to have the discussion. That's the that's what's getting mischaracterized here. Is I believe that the discussion is important. Yeah. However, in our current, I hate to say political climate, but it seems to be that the the politics here are driving the science instead of the science driving the science. Yeah, because it's okay in science to 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 change the scenario. Or yeah, change in lanes. okay to change your mind too. Yeah. Because the science is dictating other things differently because right. we're getting back data that's showing stuff, you know, the stuff that you were sticking to the wall that you thought this should stick. Yeah. And it really doesn't. Right. So you, you have a right from a science, you know, from scientific um, standpoint. Right. To change your narrative if you need, if need be. Right. 
but no one's listening to that narrative being changed. I feel like no one is sitting there going, you know, people are expressing their concerns, but those it's on deaf ears. Okay. Yeah. And that makes it, sense because of the political, because of this election election year, I think that, you well, know, yeah, the, the whole world right now is loaded politically. We, yeah. we both know that we've spoken about that off air. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think people don't understand though. The general public doesn't quite understand that some medications that you literally have to give it to multiple people before it affects one person positively. So let's take aspirin, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. So aspirin's number to treat is like 385, I think. In other words, out of every one out of every 385 people will get see true benefit from aspirin, right? A true benefit. Others might see a little bit, like, but to see the pure benefits of aspirin, you got to give it to 385 people for one person to see benefit. Yeah. It's pretty crap odds, right? It's like 0.3, Yeah. Not very good. Now, what if, going back to hydroxychloroquine, what if that number to treat was 100? One person sees benefit for every 100 treated. Is that a bad number? Obviously not, no, because that's way better than aspirin. Yet we wouldn't hesitate to put a patient on aspirin. No doctor would hesitate to put a patient on aspirin. Well, I say that when there's always caveats, right, with bleeding risk, and you know sure. if they're on other meds that could potentiate bleeding, blah blah blah. However, for the most part, young healthy individual that has signs and symptoms of potential cardiovascular disease may end up on aspirin early on in their life, right? Yeah. So if the number to treat is 385 or whatever, now the number to harm, I think, is 463 or something like that, 485. I could look it up quick, but... Yeah. You know, the number to harm is, it says 476. So to cut, so for every 476 patients, one possibly will get a gastrointestinal hemorrhage from aspirin yeah, and over-the-counter 81 milligram medication. How nice. Yeah. So what are we looking at? Do we know? I don't know that we know the numbers to treat and numbers to harm when it comes to hydroxychloroquine and COVID because no one's doing the discussion. No one's having this conversation. Yeah, and they're, they're not allowing the conversation to happen. Even, even if you wanted to have that conversation, it's not doesn't fit in anybody's narrative. Right. Um, maybe maybe it fits in Trump's. <laughs> well, yeah. But, he was on, wasn't he on TV a while back saying, oh, I think everyone should have it or I have it or yeah. I put on my Rice Krispies in the morning but, or something. But there's other medications obviously being used from the hospital standpoint. There's Remdesivir. Yes. There's obviously Zethromax or Zyvox. There's also... Um, there's steroids. They're using solumedrol and dexameth on high doses. Six milligram IV Q12 or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, I I would assume we're going to see some benefit. But there again, if you just take those numbers, what you're saying just about aspirin, and I think any any one per if you had one person out of a hundred that actually received the benefit of the, that medication, I think you got to roll the dice on it. When you have yeah, why not? I when, mean, what's, yeah. The question is, is what's the num- so that's the number to treat. The question is, and see benefit, what's the number to uh, harm? What is that going to be? You know? 
Well, I think the end result of the medication, the problem is, is the end result, depending on, first off, there's a few factors you got to throw in there as well. One is what's, what's your nationality or, or yeah. where are you from uh, in this world? Okay. Two, do you have an, are you, are you obese? That's a big one. Uh, if you're heavily obese, I think that's the biggest one. They're, they're saying that's like the largest comorbidity out there. No yeah. pun intended. Large, obese, morbid. Um, so the, the problem with the problem with obese is that it's you know it, it's a respiratory infection, right? Yeah, and you can't breathe. You're having a hard time breathing. Well, being heavy set is is already a strike against you. Your 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 lungs aren't working as well. You know it's hard to move. Hell, if you end up coding at all. It's hard to do chest compressions on a very heavy person. But we've both coded a 550, 600 pound guy. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. I've actually seen nurses jump on the bed, straddle the patient, literally straddle them like almost as if they're sitting on their belly to do compressions on the guy. Yeah. Because it, they're so big. It, it so, you know, so you're already struggling respiratory wise anyway. I get that. Yeah, you're you're struggling. So then you throw, you know, I, I don't know what, like but, I said, I don't know what the numbers are. Obesity in but, and of itself is not specifically a respiratory illness. Obesity is just an accumulation of fat. Now, sure. there's thin, fat people. There's toffees. Thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Sure. Out there. There's, so of all the fat people, what are them? 80% of them are going to develop type 2 diabetes. But there's fat people. There's 20% of fat people who will just live the rest of their life as morbidly obese people have no cardiovascular disease, no, you know, other comorbidities whatsoever. They will live a full life to the ripe old age of 70, 80, whatever it is, and pass away from old age. I just I just think and with any disease, not just COVID, I just think when you're when you're very heavy and it pay, pays a a horrible toll on your body when you get sick. Oh yeah. And not just your recovery COVID. is harder. But from a from a mild illness, yeah, it it it's really it's it, you could almost see it coming, dude. Like seriously, from from my point of view, because I see the bigger picture, right? You know, in a working, you know, in a hospital, you almost can you can almost tell which ones are going to go south. You can almost you can almost guarantee it. Almost. Well, we you know, like I said, I think last time we've lost patients in the hospital that came in. Stemmies or non-stemmies. Now, the problem is, is when they're COVID patients, they're not going right to cath lab. That's nationally. They're not taking patients to cath lab. They're giving them, you know, TPN or not TPN. Um, uh, TNK. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> cloud busters, you know, yeah. uh, trying to break everything up as opposed to, yeah. it's almost like you're in a big city and instead of doing, a 90-minute door-to-balloon time, we are acting as if we're a rural hospital and you're applying, you know, a cloud buster to the patient so that they can actually survive or give them a chance to survive rather than possibly contaminate your entire suite of uh, the cath lab. Yeah, I can I can tell you from, from my standpoint, we go. Like, uh, you come in with a STEMI, it's called. We're also doing right. we're also doing the swab, right? But once again, to me, it it makes no sense doing the swab 
It, it makes no sense. Okay. Because treatment of care still needs to be taken care of. You're coming in with a heart attack of some sort. Yeah. You need to go to the cath lab. You go to the cath lab. You treat them as, let's say they have COVID, whatever, or right. not. Right. Treat them as if they did. Don't worry about what the swab comes in at, which we don't. You know, from my point, from what I can see. Yeah. And then follow up with what the results are. But it doesn't, it, none of it, like even if you had to go from cath lab to open heart. Okay. Because that happens. Yes. If you had COVID, it wouldn't stop open heart. It shouldn't stop open heart. It shouldn't stop any of that. In the beginning of this disease and when it first started coming out, I know everyone was afraid and scared and all that other stuff. But, mm-hmm. But moving forward, you still got to treat the problem at hand. You know, COVID didn't give him the heart attack. No, I know. You know, COVID didn't give him. You sure? COVID crashed their car. (laughs) COVID was the reason that they crashed their car and have a severed leg now. I almost feel like, you know, everyone just wants to know. For for any procedure whatsoever, for any procedure whatsoever, a COVID swab will be done results regardless of what the results come back at you still have to do the procedure of what they're in the hospital for okay well you should right now now the question becomes is you're not taking a vented sedated patient to the cath lab to do are we yeah we have we will i guess especially if they came in having a, a, a severe cardiac arrest yeah, yeah there's a severe cardiac event and they code and then you yeah they're vented they're mm-hmm. going right yeah, they're going you know the the problem is it once again it's to me doing all that all that covid testing why <laughs> like either just, just treat everyone like they have COVID. you're gonna have to especially when winter comes right i mean think of the what the numbers are right now now yes the death toll isn't rising as much as the positive cases are, right? right? They're Which, not. There's arguments for that in numerous ways. They're not. They're not. You know, as this goes up, this is going up equally. They, they're not. Right. You know, because we've we've tested all the sick patients, the really ill patients. That's all we tested early on. Yeah, to get those that before. Yeah. yeah. So, just you know, come winter, we're just gonna have to treat everybody as COVID and move forward because you're not gonna be able to distinguish between influenza a or b or covid well so in 2009 the h1n1 influenza pandemic which primarily affected children um and young adults did not necessarily affect geriatrics as bad right yeah it was a pandemic the who issued pandemic response for that um the national institutes of health and cdc issued pandemic response and we went all hog wild in the medical community trying to make sure we treated and watched and, you know, but it wasn't, it killed people, right? H1N1 killed people. Yeah. This um, killed people. Killed too. young people, right? Yeah. Didn't kill old, frail, elderly people. No offense to the old, frail, elderly, but it didn't kill the weakest link, I guess, physically in the chain. It killed young, healthy children. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we didn't have this type of response at the time. And by the end of, you know, 2010, the WHO just said, oh, pandemic's over. But yet we still treat H1N1. It's 
over, but we still treat it. Yeah. But it's it's just still so, here. Here's the thing. To this day, it's still here. Does it does it change when you have all these younger, when I say younger, 20, 30, maybe even 15 and older, whatever the age, whatever the you know, the lowest age is, you know, 18, 20, 25, go all the way up, right, to 70. Mm-hmm. And they're symptomatic or not symptomatic. So when you're saying younger, you mean someone under 70? Or you mean yeah, someone I'm saying under, under, say, 20. Someone I'm under not saying 20. children. Because okay. obviously children are not, there's been some cases, but they're not dying from COVID at all. Right. And maybe they have it. Maybe they're I not. Highlight, I before you joined the podcast, and thank God you did because it's much more fun. But <laughs> before you joined the podcast, I highlighted the fact that they had two cases of children that said they died at you know pediatric first pediatric case of you know, death from COVID. That kid died from a traumatic injury. Yeah, I think it was a drowning, if I remember. Um, tested positive for COVID, but it's being it's it's on their death certificate as COVID. Yeah. But that's the thing that's irritating me right now. It's like, okay, so children are not are not getting it, or they're carriers, but they're just not. They're not. I wouldn't say they were, they're not spreading, but they're carriers, but they're not symptomatic, right? Right. They have a healthier immune system. They're young, whatever. They they're getting through it. So the struggle that I have is, you know, these older, um, younger adults, I will say, that are getting it. If we tested them or not, what does it matter? Yeah. I mean, seriously, what does it matter? Well, didn't that group of doctors that you were just talking about in the beginning of this segment, they were talking about how young people can't won't spread it to teachers or I think they said something about that. Yeah, they did. In that group. It was a pediatrician. Right. And you're saying that they're the, the internet, uh YouTube, Twitter, whatever is stopping that video, right? Because, so we've talked about the medical mob on this show. Do we think that this is like the medical mob stopping it? Because we need to do it this way, the only way, that's the only way possible. And and these doctors are bringing up counter points or different parts of the discussion that the medical, the the majority of people don't want to actually, because like I've said before, Galileo said, we revolved around the sun and the predominant theory at the time was that the sun revolved around us and he was chastised and he was castigated and sent out of the, you know, Catholic church and eventually imprisoned for his beliefs and died. Uh, miserable death at home. Yeah. Now we've named a bunch of stuff after him. Yeah. Cause he was that really we're smart. Pu- we're probably pulling down those statues by the way no they're like moons of jupiter or something so anyway my point is that yes you have it's a good point they also you, the problem is it as we were saying in the beginning of the podcast right it doesn't fit the narrative of certain people or certain things so is it but is the narrative coming to the american people the correct narrative or like we just talked about is it more important to have a discussion about what is right and what's because to me science is ever evolving. It's never right or wrong. Yeah. It's constant in constant change. Because aspirin used to be good forever and now you start pulling patients off of aspirin as they get older because the risk of bleeding is too severe. Yeah. You know? 
Oh, I mean, we're having a discussion about it, and that's right. what's important. Right. But And people have a right to listen to our discussion. Yeah, right. right. So why can't people just have a, a right to listen to the discussions that are being broadcasted from the footsteps of, of um, you know, a thing in Washington? Right. All, all they're trying to say is, you know, that I get the gist of what I've heard, you know, all they're trying to say is there's stuff out there that can help. There's stuff out there that we were overdoing, and it's and they've even said, you know, the physicians even said it's we can't have this conversation because no one's allowing us to have this conversation because it doesn't fit the narrative of, you know, that coronavirus. Yes, it's there, but it can be, it can be, um, for the ones that really get sick, you can get a treatment plan, right. But that's not, you know, so, that doesn't work out for. But here's my question is, how do we identify the mob? What I consider the mob. The mob is the ones that are dictating what is correct. Because this happens in a lot of different areas of medicine. Um, we've spoken about keto. We'll talk about it a little bit again coming up. Yeah. So in in the dietary world, there's been a ton of discussion about what's appropriate, what's not, uh, how to diet, how not. And the mob has come for me before about the masks thing. Yeah. came for Gary Fedke, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Australia. He almost lost his medical license. Uh, Professor Noakes in South Africa. You know what I mean? So yeah. who who's the medical mob? What's Who's driving this bus? And I say who as if it's one person male or female it doesn't matter i'm saying it or is it a an entity is it a, a group you know is it the american medical association is it the american association of critical care nurses is it <laughs> i mean yeah. who's driving this narrative or did a group because i remember early on in this a group of pediatricians got together and signed some things saying kids could go back to school kids should go back to school yeah there was what hundreds of pediatricians signed this, and then they retracted it. Why? I don't know. Other countries <laughs> are going to school. Yeah, we're the only country not. Of all countries, of all Western civilized nations, we're the only country not sending kids back to school. Yeah, it's extremely frustrating, especially when you have kids. <laughs> And we do. I know. And the struggle is real, people. The struggle. It's not because I don't want to see my. I love my kids. It's I don't want to deal with my wife having to have dealt with my children all day. Well, let's. We're not teachers. You know, you medical mob. You say that, right? Yeah, right. But so, who, but, they, who but are? How why, do we identify them? Why? But why? Why did this group of physicians needed to have a press conference on it? Why did the the two ER physicians in oh, yeah, California, right? needed to have a press conference yeah. on it. And where's those videos? You can't find those videos anymore. They've been taken down too. Obviously. Yeah, why suppress an opposing viewpoint? I don't understand that. Like, I think that's the that's the weirdest part of this, is there needs to be the opposing viewpoint. Correct. And And what happened to freedom of speech? You should have every right to say what you feel. Well, yeah, I mean. No, no. Seriously, no, they, they do. They have. They have the right. But, I, I, but they don't have the right to have it broadcasted. They don't have the right. You, I, who? Who gave? That's above my pay grade. Doesn't, to argue. It doesn't matter, man. If you right. don't like it or not, 
you still, if it's out there, you don't listen to it. But at least it would be available for you to listen to it if you wanted to hear the counter the counter argument or not. Right? No, I get it. I mean, no, you're right. I, I understand how so, some people are dictating what's we're supposed listen, to hear and what we're not. And the media, if they want to come in and 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 vet everything that these people are saying. Go find the truth, right? Vet it out, right? And either acknowledge that, yeah, what they're saying, what we found is correct, or what we found is incorrect. But right. that's where the media should be coming in and, and saying that. You know, Denzel Washington said something pretty interesting. Oh, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of cool. I don't know when he actually said it. They were asked him a question about, um, about the media and stuff, and he's uh-huh. like, "Well, you know." Uh, the media used to, you know, used to look at, you know, finding the truth and they would never put something out that wasn't, uh, you know, vetted through and, you know, verified and all right. that. And he goes, you know, they, they, they put out a lot of a BS is what he said. They put out a lot of BS. And when you put out a lot of BS, a lot of it, you get good at it, ah. you know, and that's liars tell good lies is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Which is very frustrating because, you know. You have you have the three you know you have the three areas of 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 Congress and and President and all that you have those three areas and then you have then you throw in the media which is supposed to you know verify and check and fact check and that stuff's gone away You've, none of it you can you and if you like I said if you don't like what you're hearing right. that's okay Big Brother can just take take you off the air. Wow. Like if well, somebody heard our podcast and didn't appreciate what we were saying, right? Sure, they'll just turn it off. And now, is that fair to me and you? Is well, that fair to anybody that wants to have a discussion about anything? Not if I'm not if I, I don't know. It's so that's a whole other can of worms. I see you're torn. Well, so I'm torn in the fact that, like, if I'm paying, I pay to host this podcast, right? I pay a fee to a company that I. You know, upload the data, and they put it out to what they allow me to put it out to the world, right? But I pay for that service. They don't require me to meet any sort of requirements on what I say or how I say it. You know, that you're aware of? No, I read through everything. There's no, there's no requirements. It's just that I don't. They're not going to censor us, as far as I know. But then again, there's people out there that are worried about being censored like joe rogan has felt like he's been censored a few times so he's leaving he's completely leaving everything and going to texas well no well he's jumping and going to uh spotify yeah is it spotify yeah he's going to spotify but everything he's deleting everything from youtube twitter like he's deleting the whole world his whole entire system that's been for 12 years he's the number one podcaster in the world and he's leaving uh, Apple Podcasts. He's not going to be there anymore. He's not going to be on, you know, Podbean. He won't be able to listen to anything but Spotify. That's it. Yeah, but he also got a hundred million. So, yeah, that, that yeah. don't suck. No, that's uh, definitely puts you in a position to make whatever decision you want to make. But, but that's what I'm getting at, though, especially with the media. Like, why aren't they, you know, doing a little bit more research and 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 talking about? The double blind, you know, procedure that you know the double blind uh, study that was study done. that was done, and well, so and having conversations about it, saying, "Well, but it's just so frustrating because it just doesn't, 
It just doesn't meet their narrative of what I, they want people to hear. It's just I just wish I could identify the they. That's my that's my biggest concern. I want to identify the they. And I hate to be the naysayer, but I do believe that there's a group of there is a group, an entity that's driving and if it's political, it's political. I hate that political any political ideology affects medicine because I don't I don't treat patients based on their political or racial or ethnic or fundamental beliefs whatsoever. Patient comes to me with high blood pressure, I treat them high blood pressure. I have to take into account their ethnicity, I have to take into account their gender, their age, yada yada. However, I don't just like not treat them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I, I don't know. I don't withhold treatment. I don't change it. And I think what we're doing in the medical community now because of this cancel culture they call it i mean i sound like an old dad here but i don't pay a lot of attention to the terms so i might sometimes my kids my my teenage daughter laughs at me because uh she's like that's not how you say that and, I, and i've turned into my father in many ways yeah because i used to tell my dad the same thing that sounds so stupid when you say it dad you know <laughs> so anyway it's uh it's kind of weird but the cancel culture has come for many medical professionals in many you know areas of medicine and i don't understand why this need to be first with data is more important than the need to be right that's that's you funny when i talked about denzel washington yeah that's what he kept on saying he kept saying um you know all the news just wants to come out be the first one out doesn't right. matter if it's true or not yeah if it has any meaning or bearing or anything it, as long as you're first to report it regardless of who you've destroyed to report it right as long as you're first and, and as opposed to let's let's wait a minute you know even trump said something uh interesting um <laughs> one does he not right but i'm bummed Where's yeah. the where's our where, where's the butt bump sounds? So, I don't know where they're at. <laughs> but you know, he said something interesting in the fact that um you know, back in the day before Twitter and all that, you know, maybe you write maybe you write the letter. You write there you go. <laughs> A little late, but hilarious nonetheless. But you know, you would write the letter yeah. and then you would you wouldn't mail the letter. Then you would go back the next day. You'd reread your letter that you were, you know, that you maybe you were bashing on or whatever. And then you would sit there and go, "Yeah, it's a good thing I didn't mail that letter." But with today, because you change your perspective, yeah. So today's culture, though, you write the tweet, you fire it off, send it, regardless, anger for no reason, regardless of. He does. Trump's plenty of that shit. No, no. He's admitting. He's admitting that. He, yeah, there's things that he has sent out that he yeah, wishes he pull can pull back. Yeah. The the problem. Once it's in the ethos of the internet, it's forever. It's forever. <laughs> People screenshot. You can't delete but, shit. But that's you know, that's how our culture has changed, though. You know, maybe instead of saying irrational stuff because you're just pissed off at the moment, right? You calm yourself down to have a rational conversation with somebody. Or uh, an, you know, an rational argument with somebody, and actually have a discussion. So maybe, in some way, shape, or form, someone like us, a podcast—not necessarily us, because I don't think we have that kind of pull. Yeah. But it would be really cool to get 
two opposing positions on the hydroxychloroquine treatment regimen in people who've actually treated patients with yeah. it. Because it's one thing to say, I've given 50 people hydroxychloroquine and none of them have got COVID. Well, okay, what if they're all flipping isolated and they live in the middle of nowhere in Montana? What You haven't proven that the drug, does. it's not a causal link. Yeah. You know? Um there's a bunch of other factors there and none of those conversations that those doctors were speaking about eliminated any other factor, right? Yeah. What if the medical professionals, that one female doctor for the word that was trained in Africa, let's just say for instance, they're all wearing masks and they're all social distancing and they all don't, you know, go sleep in the same bed as their husband or wife or whatever. And they all say separate from everybody and they don't interact with other people. And like, well, is the hydroxychloroquine working or are they doing what the, the mob says to do? And the, the idea is that, well, because I gave, what if I gave them M&Ms and they didn't get, <laughs> so if I fed somebody only red M&Ms, I'm going to feed my patients red M&Ms. And if they don't get COVID, is that proof that red M&Ms cure COVID? Yeah. I mean, take that. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes total sense. I mean, you have that same physician in Montana, like you said, and he he gives, you know, gives it to, you know. um, 50 people or whatever. 50 people. Yeah. But then you have another physician in Hawaii giving the same 50, not same people, but same number of people same dose same number different, different races in both areas yeah or cultures in both areas right but he notices the pacific islanders are actually dying from it not right. from the drug but from covid right it's not helping i guess is what i'm getting at right um and this is all hypothetical here yeah by the way. It's all Everyone, just so you guys know that are listening this is not facts this is all we're we're hypothesizing what could be so you you can you can have Two different outcomes, two different regions yeah. of the United States. Correct. And be in the same boat of, I don't know if it works. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But see, that's a great discussion to have, whereas instead we have this, and I think I said this on a previous podcast, where it's all based on your perception. So if you're an ICU nurse or you're an ICU physician and you work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and you're going to other towns because you got taking a travel assignment in a hot zone and you're skilled at treating this particular disease process and you've decided that's what you want to do with your medical career. Good for you. God bless you. That's awesome. And you go to do that. Your perspective is that everybody is dying from this disease because that's all you see all day. I believe police officers walk a certain way, act a certain way, going to worry that the average person is out to do certain bad things because they see the worst in people on a daily basis yeah so their perspective like a child's perspective isn't necessarily most the average child let's say there's horrible situations everywhere but i'm taking the average child their perspective is that you know cartoons are real and you know fluffy bunnies bring you easter eggs and you know the tooth fairy Drops money in your pillow because you have lost a tooth. Yeah, my kids still believe that. Yeah, right. So do mine. My point here is that perspective is very important. Yeah. You know, and if your perspective is that 
you're only treating COVID patients, you're in the middle of a pandemic, and you're treating COVID, 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 and people are dying irrespective of what you're putting, giving them for drugs and whatever you're doing, and there's nothing you can do, you are going to, as a, your perspective is going to be like, nothing works, and you guys are all stupid, and you're not listening to the people who are treating COVID. Yeah. And then if you're a family physician or a nurse practitioner or PA, and you're treating patients in your family practice, and you're giving them all hydroxychloroquine, but nobody gets sick, your perspective is, well, I give hydroxychloroquine, and everyone's lived. Nobody got the disease. Yeah, and that's... Like, you, the, the, you can't compare the two but i think those discuss- those people need to sit down and compare notes <laughs> and yeah. they're not doing that well i like your i like the perspective analysis of your what you're saying because you know the average person in the united states let's say they don't watch the news they're, it's not part of their thing but right. but they you know because they they work you know right eight to twelve hours a day they provide for their family yeah they have a dinner and then they go sit down and maybe they turn on the maybe they do turn on the news for five, ten minutes. Most of those people get their news from the the monologue of like used to be Johnny Carson. I'm dating myself a little bit, but now it's uh Jimmy Kimmel or John who was the other one. Yeah. So think about how narrow your other perspective Jimmy. would be, you know, getting that you know, Florida sees increased numbers, you know, you, But that's headline medicine or not headline medicine, headline news knowledge but i'm saying there, there's the a knowledge. lot of people yeah that that do have that routine yeah you know absolutely. That, that you know they're not in the medical field they're right. not doing anything that to see anything all they're doing is maybe they happen to turn on cnn maybe they happen to turn on fox for that five minutes right they're only the perspective they're only going to get is that you know world's coming to the end as far as they're concerned because they're hearing increased numbers of COVID and, you know, the hospital systems are being inundated and all this crazy shit. Right. Because the reality of it is, is hospitals, at least I can speak for Las Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, our hospitals are always busy. Yeah. Always. I, but busy. see, that that's really frustrating for me because I know how busy our hospitals always are. And I know that generally during the winter, we're generally busier because okay. we have a lot more elderly people come here and live here in the winter they leave chicago or they leave minnesota or they leave you know different areas of town whatever their their hometown and they come here when it's cold yeah there they come here when it's not cold so they can they have dual houses anyway sure so we have more elderly people here and we fill our hospitals at a like <laughs> I've never seen a hospital in this town not operate at 98 to 100% on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, pre-COVID times. I'm talking like 2018, 2017, years before COVID, not Yeah, even 2019. Before. Yeah, right. So all of these times, we were always holding patients, ICU, holding ICU patients in the ER because ICU was full. And then... You were already knew you were getting two or three ICU new admits from same day surgery because mm-hmm. they were open hearts or they were some major yeah, procedure. Surgeries were happening. Yeah. Surgeries were happening. Big money. Right. So this was constant. So with this idea that hospitals are at ninety six percent capacity, well, we're always we're always every freaking day at ninety six percent capacity. That's the, how we operate. Yeah. That's how they make money. That's how they make money. Absolutely. Well, so this whole nonsense that you hear on the news that oh they're at ninety six percent, but that doesn't that doesn't tell you anything. That tells you nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's funny because my you know my wife works in a medical field, and you know the company that she works for um, says puts those numbers up there. Okay. I'm like, what does that what it, what does that have to do with anything? Right. Okay, a hospital or all the hospitals in Vegas, whatever, are ninety eight percent capacity. What what so? So it's Tuesday. It's fucking, they're always in ninety eight percent. It's going to be that way Wednesday, and I'm guessing it'll be that way Thursday. And and I ran into... If we're operating at 50% capacity, that hospital would not make enough money to function. Which we were doing, pre, you know, March, April, May, we were running at 50% capacity. Yeah, because everyone was... A, didn't Every, stop people getting sick. Everyone was afraid of coming in and getting COVID. Correct. That, that, that was the biggest struggle from a medical professional where we stand is like... I think I think my hospital even put out a, a an ad saying, "Hey, we're our, open. Knock our on e- door. Yeah, yeah, our ER is open. Please come to the hospital. Yeah, if you need our services, we're here for you. Right. Well, you know, I think everyone's waited long enough. Now they're coming back, and well, they're sicker. Well, they're sicker. They're coming back. My cardiac patients are sicker, and well, they're sicker probably because they haven't been seen quick enough or or haven't dealt with their disease process in two three months so now right. it's catching up to them right but you know here they're coming in and on top of it yes we have more cases but as i ran into a an employee of a of a of a business you know a young kid probably in his 20s okay or middle 20s or whatever late 20s you know uh we were talking about covid and he said like He's like, I said, well, I go, my hospital's not, it's not at max capacity, right? you know, and, um, and we probably around like 25% COVID. Okay. He's like, really? You're tw- that's it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe we're 30, whatever, whatever the number and is. And that includes rule outs. That's not. Yeah. Like, that, get, in, yeah that includes. That includes. PUI. Rule right, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, that's it. He's like, but that's not what they're saying. That's not what I'm hearing. I know. And this is where it's getting, you know, who those people, whose agenda are they on? Like, what are they wanting? Are they wanting global? Do they want the United States to just fail and shut down? Yeah, that's over this craziness. I don't know how that end of it works. I just know that the we look stupid as a society, as a medical group, as it because I'm lumping all all medical professionals in this group of of the idiots we all look stupid we're all like one person saying the drug does work one person saying the drug doesn't work and instead of having a discussion about whether it does or doesn't and putting up their pros and cons and having a debate about it we're just out there spewing data that may or may not be true but the average american no offense but the average american is going to have a hard time discerning what's right because they're going to believe what's right based on their personal beliefs, not based on accurate data. Because we are not, we as a medical profession are not discussing the data. We're just saying what we, based on our perspective. Yeah. Well, I gave, you know, 50, 60, 100. I treat everybody with hydroxychloroquine. None of them have the disease. Well, okay. But are, have you treated a bunch of people, elderly people in fucking New York City that were in... Cuomo, Cuomo sent to die in a yeah. in a nursing home. Did they all get? Why didn't we give them all hydroxychloroquine or they, and make them a test bed? Yeah, or they failed to mention that the the people that he gave the high uh, 
Hydroxychloroquine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm having a tongue twister on that. <laughs> Happen to be asymptomatic people. Right. right. So they yeah. came in. They had no symptoms. Right. And prophylactically, but, you gave them a drug. But felt the need to get swabbed, found out that they're positive, right. and then freaked out, and then got the drug. And guess what? They never got sick. But would they have? They the wouldn't have. No, they wouldn't have. So so we're going back to the study thing, and I'm talking about... The, so, so the Associated Press in on May 7th published, um, and Mercury News has a copy of it, but it's also on the Associated Press, uh, hydroxychloroquine shows no benefit in another COVID-19 study. So this is, again, saying that there's no benefit to hydroxychloroquine. It says a new study finds no evidence of benefit from a malaria drug widely promoted as a treatment for coronavirus infection. Now, hydroxychloroquine does treat lupus and uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which we talked about earlier, right? But this mm-hmm. said that uh, hydroxychloroquine did not lower the risk of dying or needing a breathing tube in a comparison that involved nearly 1,400 patients treated at Columbia University in New York, okay? And this was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, this is re- all published on May 7th, right? Yeah. However, the hilarity for me in this is that on May 14th, a week later, NIH, this is published on the National Institutes of Health website, NIH begins clinical trial of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin to treat COVID-19. Now, if two previous studies published in the New England Journal of Medicine have said that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, why is the National Institutes of Health a week later, after those studies have been published and shown that they don't show any benefit, why are they doing a study to see if it works? Because they added another drug to it. Right. But with it. Not too, but with fair, it. fair enough. With hydroxychloroquine and azith. So the the hilarity to me is that they're adding the zithromycin. Why not do the zithromycin alone before the combination? That's true. I mean, uh, I, th- I think, I mean, we're, I, I know we're doing it. I yeah. know we, we I, when I say we, I'm saying the, what I've seen medically, mm-hmm. I've seen zithromycin ordered. I don't see uh, hydroxychloroquine with it. We can't. There you go. You can't do it here. The freaking governor shut you down from writing it. Yeah. So how that's possible, I don't know, because he didn't go to medical school. Yeah. He didn't go to medical school. No. He's never touched one butt on one patient for any reason. He's no. never touched anybody. He's never taken a blood pressure. He's never swabbed. A, like he's never done anything medically. He's probably never done anything, period. Yeah. Our governor, anyway. He's a complete buffoon. He hoarded he he suppressed and kept and yeah just so. like just like um uh what is it remdesivir yeah that that comes from the state board of pharmacy that that's not just they don't we have to actually request it for uh the, through the state board of pharmacy to get that medication cuz they didn't want to overuse it Jeez. or they felt that they didn't want to overuse it so they we would run out but we're not that we're running out Right. Per se, we're just we don't have it readily available in large quantities because right. we have it for you know for patients that are currently on that medication, but like new patients coming in, we still got a request for it. It's it's just such a it's red tape. It's bullshit. So I equate the hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, uh, whatever treatment plan for coronavirus to vitamin C for sepsis. You ever heard about that? So there's studies out in like 17, 18 that talked about utilizing high-dose vitamin, IV vitamin C for 
the treatment of sepsis. And there's anecdotal evidence that patients were benefiting from it, getting better, faster, right? Where generally with a super septic patient, you're doing, and before coronavirus, so that the people in the non-medical profession know, everybody was freaking septic. Everyone that came in the ER with a temperature and tachycardic, sepsis, triggered sepsis alert. Sepsis was the thing, right? Everyone was septic for some reason. Eurosepsis, I hate Taco Bell sepsis, like whatever. didn't matter. You were septic from something, right? Sure. Now, true sepsis, they were super sick, and we were going to the ICU, intubation, levo, vasoneo, crawl up the chain of pressors, and a lot of death associated with it, right? High rates of death with sepsis and infections. So vitamin C was shown to help and benefit. Now, some studies showed it benefited, some studies showed it didn't, but I do know there's a lot of acute care uh, docs working in critical care units that were writing and prescribing vitamin C, high-dose vitamin C for their patients. Even they said what it can't kill a person, right? It's not yeah. going to kill them, so it's only going to benefit them, and the ones that it benefits, it's beneficial for, so let's do it. Yeah. But I never heard any political jargon about it. No, but vitamin C is over-the-counter, like... I get it, but you're not going to give over-the-counter vitamin C to my intubated patient necessarily. I guess you could dissolve it and put it in their peg tube or put it in their NG. Yeah. You know, with other meds. At least you won't have scurvy. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Definitely won't have scurvy. But, I mean, I look at that as one of those not guaranteed to work, not negatively beneficial you yeah. know so it's you know like in the medical field we hear all the time you know which one's the worst of the two evils because mm-hmm. they're your your both outcomes are bad just let just since we're talking about covid what do you know <laughs> you know so they say you know high high um hydroxychloroquine thank you <laughs> Thank you. I'm having a hard time today. Uh, it's okay. So that medication, you know, all you know, the side effects were so bad that you know we really shouldn't be giving it to patients. But what about the people that actually have lupus and the other? Right. They, it was fine to give it to them. Yeah. They weren't dying on it. No. Um. That lots of people are on it for other reasons. Correct. And they're not having like it's so it's so frustrating because it's a cheap drug. It's not an expensive drug. No. It's a cheap drug. But if you listen to the side effects of some of the new like diabetes medications on the on the TV advertisement, the damn side effects are as long as half the commercial is side effects. Yeah. And then um and you know if you if you take this medication you might even get, you know, cancer is right. side effect. Cancer is like, always a side effect. Jeez. Anal, always anal leakage, nausea, vomiting, yeah, diarrhea, diarrhea. all standard. Every that's every drug, right? But then they also have pretty severe side effects. Might have GI bleed. Some people have and went blind. Like, you know what I mean? There's all this weirdness associated with those side effects. This is, you know, however, they post it and everyone's running to their doctor to get Jardians. <laughs> yeah. so they could help. Skyriza or whatever. <laughs> I love some of these names. My, my point, though, is, and, and your point was like using the aspirin as the, your example, you know. At what point does the risks outweigh the benefits, or the right. benefits outweigh the risks? I mean, like you said, you're got, we're got to do something, and instead of just sitting here, do we have to do something? That's the question. 
That's really the question. I hear that a lot. I yeah. and I hear the do we we have to do something? Well, even sometimes doing nothing is freaking doing something. And that's that's what I was getting at with the COVID testing. Like, let's say they are asymptomatic, right. but now we've allowed everyone from their uncle to go get tested. I mean, I've heard people say, "Well, my 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 wife wasn't feeling so well, so I drove her to the facility to get tested." And then while I was there, with no symptoms at all, eh, I might as well get tested myself too. <laughs> Really? Why? Why? And what Why? does it matter? Why are you doing that? Seriously. Because you're going to be asymptomatic, which, you know, at one point, asymptomatic were not carriers. Right. They weren't spreaders. Right. Right? WHO. Yeah. No, that's true. Initially, asymptomatic patients did not spread the virus. Now, everyone spreads the virus. Everyone, all the time, everywhere. Except for children that go to school. Nope. They spread the virus, too. Teachers Union said that they will all die. If the kids, that's go to what school. they said, but no, th- of that's course, not so that, proven in any other country. But by the way, but that's the proof now. That's their proof. Well, that's that's my whole point with the media and stuff, or or just you know instead of having we're not having discussion about proof though. We no, don't no, talk. No. That's what we're. That's the whole thing today. Is yeah. they're not discussing proof. It's all about opinion. Opinion is proof now. <laughs> in the medical community, is sad. So yeah. my cousin who had COVID and recovered from yeah. COVID. She took, I can't even pronounce this thing. It's over the, is it over the counter? It's a homeopathic thing. Uh, try and say that name. I can't. Oxyseum? <laughs> I have no idea. It's the longest. I, I read a lot of drug names, and this one has me tongue twisted, tongue tied. I don't, it's Oxyseum? Oxyseum? Oxyliconium. Oxyliconium. Yeah. O-S-C-I-L-L. O-S-C-I-L-L-O-C-O-C-C-I-N-U-M. She said she got a lot of... by it. Yeah, she got a lot of benefit from it. It is over-the-counter, like, homeopathic drug. And I do not believe... Like, I tell my patients, and I tell people here, again, I mean, I'm not giving anyone medical advice here, but... If no, something works, if something works for you, then guess what? It works. <laughs> I mean, I well, I would never I would never prescribe that. Who recommended that? I don't know who recommended. I mean, there that to there her. are physicians that do homeopathic therapy, right? Correct, and I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm just but saying. I, but I'm saying, if the stuff works for somebody, by all means. Once again, what if it. it's that one out of one hundred? Fair enough. Yeah, take, take it. Right. I mean, what do you got to lose besides your, your life? At, true. If well, you let it go on for so long, I'm not saying that she was going to die or anything. But the right. reality of it is, it's either you try something or you don't try something. When you when you're really to that point of just feeling like total shit. Yeah. Right. And she said she did. She felt. For a couple of days, she just didn't have any, and she's a go getter. She had no get up and go. Yeah. You know, she's super busy mom and and that's businesswoman and everything what, else. You at know? that point, what does she have to lose? If it works, great, good yeah. for her. No, that's true. I mean, yeah. but I'm saying, I've never. She's the first person that told me about this thing. I never heard any I never news. Heard of it. I've never oh. even heard of the thing. I don't even know what it was. I wonder if you can type it up. I, you see, once again, you know, there's so many outlets that you can search for things. And those things potentially could be filtered or, you know, just not come up. Right. Yeah. So 
I don't know. We uh, we'll tie it, the next segment. We should tie in. Uh, we will. Let's end. Hold on. Let's end this segment with one last thing. Okay. One last thing. Okay. How do you feel about this? Because I want to ask you this question. Yeah. Fauci throws out the first pitch. Okay. MLB. Okay. First off, it was a complete whiff. Okay. It went like you know, 10 feet to the left of the catcher. Okay. So what does he wear on his jersey? What's his jersey number? I have no idea. Take a guess. One? It uh, had a one in it. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. What? I don't understand. One nine. One nine. Why would he have, why would Fauci have a jersey number? It's 2020, first off. Okay. Why would he have 19? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's his favorite number. I don't know. I mean, is he playing, making fun of the whole COVID-19? Why would he have 19? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, I probably should have caught it, but I didn't. I know. I'm I surprised wasn't, you didn't. Well, now. no, I wasn't going there. I don't think of it that I'm way, just I guess. Like, I, like, really, the the number you want to have on the back of your jersey is 19. For what reason? Because now I, you're the you're the COVID doctor? I don't know. I making fun of it? I, I don't know. I, I knew a really douchey cardiologist that had, like, heart saver on his car, and I thought that was kind of stupid. And I've known a ton of nurses that have... ER nurse and like it just why didn't he have Fauci twenty? <laughs> I fucking don't know. Or Fauci I don't know. one, like you, like you thought you one, know? like one. Why not one? Number He's the one, first time he ever threw the ball. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Just shit like that. <laughs> I don't have that. Any. That irritates me about you know this shit. But it, and <laughs> it's shit like that when I see you know people the Karens out there yelling at you know. Where's your mask? Where's your mask? Which is my original argument. Right. So they can see you that you're not wearing your mask. Right. But while they're yelling at you, they're not wearing one. They're not wearing one or they're putting their mask down on their chin. Yeah. You know, if you go to Medically Unbiased on Twitter right now, you're going to see a beautiful video. (laughs) It's awesome. Of somebody that just complained about somebody not wearing a mask when their mask was literally on their chin yeah go to medically unbiased on twitter and you'll see we've posted the video for everyone to see it's uh quite remarkable in it's, this and follow it you know what it costs you nothing to follow so no, go ahead follow, and follow us on twitter and uh we'll keep posting up goofy information it's just funny and you if know, you have any questions concerns you want you throw throw some research our way let us look at it you yeah know? we i mean we're open to totally opposite opinions of ours and if you have new data if you have obscure data we want to read it i want to see it yeah i want to devour all the information again i'm not here to profess that i'm super knowledgeable on covid i know very little i know that it's a respiratory illness i don't treat it i don't treat the patients i don't intubate the patients i'm not in the icu dealing with the patients i strictly i'm kind of nerdy about cardiology that's it but yeah you are. because covid is such a predominant force in society right now i mean it's really there's three things top being talked about uh covid19 black lives matter and the presidential race that's it and the kardashians they are being talked about still yeah, probably not i i didn't even know they were still around i thought they all got COVID. i just had a three <laughs> i'm just kidding I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> That's fair enough. So hit us up, Medically Unbiased. Uh, what's our website? Medicallyunbiased.com. And, and email us at? Info at medicallyunbiased.com. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a minute.
right, and we're back. That was a quick minute. Yeah, I know, but I'm fat, so it happens quickly. Minutes go. Time flies when you're obese. That's what she said. I don't have I don't have the dun dun dun. No. I don't have it. I don't have the dun dun dun. You don't have it up. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It's a little late, but nonetheless stupid. Um so keto. Yeah, keto. So we were talking earlier about obesity being an actual comorbidity and a factor in COVID, right? So why are we also not advocating for people to gain or to get fit, lose weight? And this idea that calories in, calories out, it's been proven that that's stupid. Is it? Yes. Been proven by I like calories in as long as I'm burning more calories going out. Yeah, so you've I've lost uh, weight with it. Are you? Yeah, and you will. Are you the calorie is a calorie guy? All calories matter. <laughs> all are you all calories matter? Are you a calorie is a calorie kind of guy? Um, no, but I why? Because I didn't feel. Who has time to read all that shit? Like, I did. Who, <laughs> who has time? No, no, no. Who has time to read like everything that's on the calories, like how much total fat and all that other stuff. I, I do. So I would now, say all the time. No, I'm, when I was calories in and, 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 and calories burned. Right. Yeah. I always, I always wanted to be at a deficit. You're working on a negative calorie. Yeah. Into, yeah. So I would, I would say, let's say I want to do 1500 in with a burn of 2000 calories. So, okay, so you just existed through the day. Good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I had found doing this, yeah. you know, um, I would eat, I would find things that were bigger with right. lesser calories so I can have more of it. Okay. So like a salad. Oh, I'll use yogurt as okay. an example. So, you know, you have 100 calorie yogurts or whatever, mm. and they have these 50 calorie. you know, I'd look and I'd be like, oh, look at that, 50 calories. But the yogurt was like, I don't know, uh, eight ounces or whatever. Right. And then... There was 100 calories, but it was only six ounces. Like, why wouldn't I just eat the 50 calories? I'd get more of it. Right. You know, for ounces. Right. So I would be looking at how much caloric intake, period. Yeah. How much I, would, I can consume with hitting that same 1500 calorie diet. Now, okay. Being, how much did you lose on that? Um, I lost. I lost quite a bit. I was using the body bug. Do you remember that thing? No. Uh-uh. It's like an armband. They okay. use it at like uh, uh, Biggest Loser Okay. in the beginning. So it would measure, it was a device that sat on your arm and it measured, you know, if you, your perspiration, uh, heat, heart index, rate, blah, blah, blah. Probably heart rate. I don't think it was in, I don't think it was capable at that time. Okay. So it was just all like temperature and, you know, movement and walking and stuff. So it would, it would burn. It would, you, you would, at least you can see it. Like, you can visually see. It gave you some metric to monitor, yeah. right? Which, like I said, then I was eating more salads. I lost quite a bit of weight. I would say I probably lost, like, 40 pounds on it over, over a few months. Over a few months. Okay. That's Plus, fair. I was also going to Cancun. So, <laughs> so you had incentive. To... I had big incentive. Yeah, right. But then I, was, I also was going to the gym. I was also on the elliptical. Like, that's my favorite, you know, device. I was I was using free weights. I wasn't using you know, uh, dumb. I was just using dumbbells, right? Okay, and that that was pretty much it. Yeah, I wasn't running or any of that stuff. I didn't yeah. do any of that stuff. Um, it worked, but just like any diet, you know, 
You that's ain't, a four letter word, man. It's yeah, temporary. It's it's so temporary because you don't you don't prep or you don't teach yourself better habits. Mm-mm. The best thing that has come the best thing that's come for me is get being on um and you were just on this. Yeah. Fentamine? Yeah. Topamax. I've done yeah. that diet too. Yeah. I the, lost a ton of weight. Well, yeah, the but way. the fentamine Topamax. I never do the Topamax, I just do the fentamine. But. So the Topamax though, when I took it, now it's for it's it's Topamax is given for people that have uh severe migraines. Mm-hmm. Um it's also an ap- major appetite suppressant. That's the side effect. Yeah. So the side effect, it stops your appetite, but it also changes your taste buds, dude. Does it? Yeah. So when I'm yeah. on Topamax, or when I was on Topamax, I couldn't drink soda. Like, I loved, I loved diet, cherry, Coke, whatever. Yeah. Anything diety or or even regular for that matter, but mostly diet because, you know, and no calories. Could <laughs> you do a calorie count? It, yeah. But it changed, it changed my taste. Like I would drink that soda, that diet cherry mm-hmm. Pepsi, we'll right. say. It tasted like metal. Oh wow. It was the grossest. Like I can drink um orange juice, mm-hmm. uh Minute Maid orange juice. Yeah. It tasted like total it tasted fake. Like you can taste the processed everything in it. Everything in it. It just turned it all to like metal. Wow. So that I did that like five years ago. The benefit from doing that, this is where I'm getting at. Because obviously I gained weight from it mm-hmm. afterwards. I mean, I lost 13 pounds the first week. Yeah, I lost a ton of weight early oh, on. It was crazy. It was rapid weight loss and then rapid weight gain. Yeah, about a year. It took me a year to put it all back on after okay. I lost it. But, um, but I haven't had. I haven't really had a soda mm-hmm. since. Like I'm not sitting here craving uh, one either. No, you know what I crave? I crave the carbonation. I fixed that with Perrier. <laughs> Correct. I fixed mine with that mountain spring water. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I just found some uh, unsweetened sparkling tea. Okay. Oh, it's great. Awesome. So that th- I would say that I am very thankful of because of the taste. It tasted so bad that I was able to actually get off a of soda altogether. That's so cool. I feel I feel good about that. Yeah. Right. But you know, I've heard people say, you know, I I stopped drinking soda. I lost twenty five pounds. Yeah. I, I stopped drinking soda five years ago. I haven't lost twenty five pounds. Like, well, I must. They must have been drinking like sugar, sugar ones. I'm sure. I'm but sure. The benefit though is not being on the diet cokes or the diet stuff. Yeah, all like, processed. So. Yeah, I feel like it's way better, especially my kidneys and stuff. Yeah. So, I've never liked the word diet. I don't. I never have. Even before I was in the medical field, I didn't like the word diet. And I smoked a pack. I was a pack a day smoker from the time I was 18 years old to the time I was about 25. So for seven straight years, I was a pack a day Marlboro Red smoker. Damn. Um, I worked construction at the time, and that was your break. If you weren't a smoker, you didn't get a smoke break. So, you know, I I learned how to smoke because I wanted to blow smoke rings. I thought that was cool. I thought <laughs> I'd be the cool part of the cool kids, cool crowd. Yeah, and uh, I started smoking, and never looked back. And then I just quit. I just one day decided to quit, and uh, have benefited by not smoking. I mean, it's been obviously better. It's sure. proven to cause numerous health issues. Yeah. Um. Everyone says that you get fat when you quit smoking, and I found that the hand to mouth was the. Again, before I was in the medical field, I learned that the hand to mouth movement from the cigarette being lit to your mouth to puffing on it was replaced with a fork 
I replaced that. Yep. And I would just mow down food trying to replicate the, the satisfaction of whatever that motion is, right? So I took a big pen, like the old school big pens, and I cut the took the ink out of it and I cut the tube the length of a cigarette and I kept that in my pocket. And then when I wanted a cigarette, that's how I'd get rid of it. Anyway, so I've quit habits before, right? So that was a big habit to quit. Sugar is like 10 times more addictive, according to studies, than cocaine. And I've never done an illicit drug in my life, so I can't attest to how addictive they are. I just can attest to how addictive cigarettes were and it was a it wasn't easy to get off of it, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was crazy hard to get off of it, right? It was a mind over matter thing. I wanted to get off of it, so I got off of it. Sugar's been the same for me. I wanted to get off of it, so I stopped it, right? I've stopped carbs. Now, is there days where I eat more carbs than I should? Absolutely, there are days, right? So I was camping recently, and I baked some cinnamon rolls, and I ended up eating one of the cinnamon rolls. Yeah, right? So that was tons of carbs, more than I should have. However, I'm not in the cutting calories. I'm not in the Weight Watchers category. I'm not in the Jenny Craig diet. I'm not into any of the BS because to me, all of that is crap. The more I learn about this and the more I study it to help my patients get healthier yeah, and off of drugs. Like I don't want to be the guy writing drugs for everybody. I'll write you drugs if you need them. My patients, I'll write them. You need blood pressure meds? By all means, we'll figure out what you need. Cholesterol out of whack? You got coronary artery disease? You're going to get a statin, right? Now, does that mean that I want you to come in my office and I just keep giving you drugs and you keep ballooning up and you show up in my office and you're 350 and then six months later you're 375 and I don't say anything? Well, I hope you keep eating all that Rice Krispies and crap. Like, no, I'm going to help. You know, I beat my head against the wall with my patients, though, because I feel like it's a 1% success rate right now Yeah, in the conversation. Now, it's benefited me tons by being off of carbohydrates in general. Yeah, I try and keep my carbs to less than 20 grams a day. And I again, I'm not in the calories a calorie mindset because a calorie from broccoli is not a calorie from Pepsi. They're not even close to the same calorie from... You know, steak is not the same as calorie from M&M's. Yeah. Calorie from Skittles, a calorie from whatever, candy. Not the same calories. You know, also, our body uh, cannot process fructose when it's in its purest form. If you eat fruit, it's wrapped in two fibers, soluble and insoluble fiber. However, if you get high fructose corn syrup from pancake syrup or foods, pro- overly processed foods... You're getting pure toxins, I feel, in your body. And the liver is negatively affected. Yeah. So, again, this has changed my lifestyle, my function. Now, have I lost a ton of weight in the last almost month, three, four weeks? What's been three weeks? What's today? 20? You? You've, been long, you've been doing it longer than me. Yeah. So, a so, year ago, I did. I was super hardcore keto for four months, five months. Uh July, August, September, October, November. So what's that? Five months. And then December, I didn't do a ton. I wasn't hardcore on it. And then January and February, I started up again. And then everything got shut down in March. And I wasn't sure. Like, I 
I had stuff in the freezer, but I didn't want to be eating all my meats. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know yeah. if I we were worried couldn't even find toilet paper then. Fair enough. And I was, and they were talking about shutting down meat packing plants, and they were talking about. So I'm like, well, crap. Do I go to Wyoming and buy a cow? Yeah. Like, I mean, I can get a whole cow butchered, right? So do you go to the? Do you buy the? Whole, I I didn't know, so I stopped eating well. Let's put it that way. And I ate, like everyone else ate, pretty crappy. Yeah. And I gained some weight back. Didn't feel. I really didn't feel good. So July one, I decided again to start the keto thing. And keto is a calculation, right? So it's all fat. It's eighty percent fat. It's not more fat. It's just way less sugar, right? Yeah. So it's eighty percent fat. The good fat. Yeah, eighty percent fat, fifteen percent protein, and five percent carb. So I've been on that ratio pretty stringently since july 1 and i monitor my ketones and my blood glucose with a keto mojo meter so i know yeah, I gotta, daily i gotta still get that meter you need to get one i it's great because i can tell you if i'm up or down it tells me what throws me in and out now if you have enough money and you want to do it on your own you can get you know a continuous glucose monitor which i wore a dexcom 6 I wore one of those, which is a continuous monitor. Bluetooth tells me every like three minutes, it tells me what my blood sugar is. Constantly updates me what my blood sugar is. Is that the one that's attached to your to abdomen? abdomen? Yeah, a lot of people attach it to the back of their arm as well. So, but I wore one for a month and a half um, anyway to just to try it out to see how how it benefited me at the end of last year. And then uh, one of the doctors I work with, he's wearing the uh, Freestyle Libra, which is a continuous glucose monitor as well. But you have to scan that monitor with your phone every once every twelve hours to get the data yeah. out of it. Right? It won't auto update. You need to scan it. Whatever. It's less expensive than the Dexcom, but the Dexcom was pretty simple too. So I think they're both beneficial. But it told me how my body reacted to certain foods, and that's interesting. Because, com- yeah. yeah, comparing his data and my data has been interesting as well because. Anytime either one of us ate pasta, our sugar rose quickly and stayed high for a long period, like two hours. Wow. So my blood sugar would go from 98 to 170 and stay in the 150 to 70 range for two hours before I came down. It's carb load, baby. Yeah, pasta. Great for runners, huh? Well, no, not really. (laughs) That's what they do. That's what they do, and it's stupid because they freaking get, it's worse for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Run the runners who do keto and do ultra low carb will tell you that they can burn are more efficient and burn ketones bodies better and have longer lasting and develop less lactic acid in the muscle when they're running on long distance runs than people who constantly carb load. And those carb loader guys carry little pockets, little packets of gelatinous sugar in their you know, pockets or in their running shorts or in their yeah. shirts. Bicyclists do it too. Carry all these little sugar packets to try and keep their energy levels up because they think they're losing. They haven't taught their body how to function on ketones. Yeah, and the reality of it is those are the people, those skinny runners mm-hmm. that probably carb load, those are the ones that are dropping dead or having the heart attacks too, which is, that's what you were saying, fat on the inside, not on the outside. Yeah, tofi, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. It's a term. Yeah, I bet, you know, I'm sure that has some correlation. Well, I think, think running is important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, don't, even, I don't do it because I'm too big. It beats the beats me up. Yeah. So I'm 6'1", 260 right now. Okay. Which is 
So Huge. where did where did you start? So you started keto last year when I started in July one. I was two ninety eight. Okay, thirty eight pounds so far. Yeah, but I and you I was off and on. I was low. The lowest I went down to recently was two fifty. However, okay. ten years ago when I met my wife, I was two hundred pounds. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't eat. I was, I was in school say, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then at night, I, we went we went dancing. I think I mentioned this last time. We went dancing like four or five nights a week for hours on end. Yeah. So my, I ate hardly anything. Um, I low was, calories uh, in, low, high <laughs> calories burned. Oh yeah, yeah, you can do the calorie thing. Now. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also I didn't eat a lot of sugar either. Yeah. Back it wasn't then. Thing. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't know much about keto back then, but I also just didn't. I just didn't eat much at all. I didn't consume anything. Didn't mean I wasn't healthy. And I also ran two miles a day, and I did a hundred push-ups a day, and I went to the gym all the time. Oh yeah, you said something about doing push-ups. Yeah, I've been doing fifty a day started, now. I haven't started that yet. I've been doing fifty a day. How's that doing for you? It's great. It's funny because you start out and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to get fifty in today? Because <laughs> it's I'm winded at five. You know, it's, <laughs> ooh, this sucks. But uh, but you started July one, yeah. A backup on it. So yeah, yeah. how how much do you think you've lost since then? Pounds that since then I've lost ten pounds since July one. Okay. If you're taking my today's, I'm I've lost ten since July one, but I've lost way more inches than I've lost pounds. That's that's the one thing I wish I would have done is got my measurements because I started July sixth, so I okay. started about a week after you, and. I told myself my wife today, I said, you know, I probably need to get my inches because I would like to see it because I know there's going to be, and everyone that's out there that's, you know, struggling with the four letter word diet. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I believe if you got, if you got your inches, if you can get your inches like in your arms and your legs and your abdomen, um, I believe you, for those weeks that you see very little, maybe half pound loss. Yeah. I think you would, you would measure yourself. You would see significant, uh, inches lost. I think the body obviously has to help condense or shrink or whatever. Right. And, um, I know when I started, I was two eighteen point eight. Okay. But how tall are you? I'm uh five, seven. Okay. And, um, week, uh, the first week doing it because of one of the, talk about numbers i said i would on this broadcast on this podcast uh-huh. uh first week i lost five pounds so i was 216.8 okay and then i was 211.7 okay and then i my second week i was 211.1 okay lost like a half pound yeah and then as of yesterday so three weeks 208.7 Okay, so you're down like three pounds there. So eight pounds Total. so far. Uh, yeah. Now you have an extra week on you, so I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping to get maybe two I, more. pounds. My problem is I don't I don't care about the physical weight portion. I mean, I guess you should because when you look at BMI, they use weight as a factor. It's the only number they use weight and height to determine whether or not they don't look at muscle mass. And I can tell you right now that my chest and my upper arms are way bigger, physically stronger. Because of doing push-ups every day, than they were a month, month a month ago. Yeah, so I've gained muscle mass, and we all know that muscle weighs more than fat. Yeah, so I've gained muscle mass, but lost fat mass. Yeah, 
Now, I don't I don't have one of those cool I should get one that's cheap, but one of those electric body mass, you know, fat Yeah, you stand you know, on scale, grab the handles. Right. You know, they got them you can stand on now too on the scale of your bare feet or whatever and measures yeah. the fat in your body. I don't know how that works, but we take it for granted that it does. Yeah. <laughs> um so utilizing that i haven't done that i should probably do it to know because just using a bmi i'm morbidly obese yes i however don't feel morbidly obese i feel obese i feel obese i don't feel morbidly obese no and you don't look to me you don't look morbidly obese right well thanks i appreciate that but i look at some patients that come in that are 270 you know 260 270 and i'm 260 and i go yeah but they're five four no, no, no. I mean, they have some of those too, yes. But I'm saying there's some bigger guys, but they're no muscle at all on them. Just right? flab. It's all fat. So it takes up way more space. And they're in like three and four X t-shirts. And I'm like, holy shit. Am I really that weight? So I walk out to the scale after they leave and I'll stand on it like an idiot and it won't change. And I'll be like, son of a bitch. I haven't lost any weight. And yeah, I, but, but do you picture yourself looking like them though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do. See, I, think, I totally do. I think it's a freaking psychosomatic crazy. I think nonsense. Me and you, yeah. Like I hate looking at myself in the mirror. Well, everyone does, but unless no, no. you're some supermodel and even them, they all have their own issues, right? Yeah. But I'm saying I like mentally, I can, I picture myself going, ah, you know, my belly's going down. I'm feeling I'm feeling better, and we, then I look but in the men mirror. Do, men do that shit. We'll stand in front of the mirror and puff our chest out and lift up and suck our gut and be like, yeah, I don't look that bad. When in reality, I tell people I'm not at my LGNW because, you know, everything's an acronym in the medical community. They're like, what's a, that's my look good naked weight. <laughs> Definitely not at the LGNW. Yeah. You know, and having a young child is the epitome of truthfulness because they'll be like, Daddy, you're pudgy. You're fat. Like they'll just you lay a, it out you have there. A dad bod. Yeah, they will not hold back. They don't know not to tell you you're fat. No, no. It's endearing, you know. It, but well, once again, the struggle's real for us. Right? <laughs> the, however, I tell my patients that I'm on the same roller coaster of bullshit that they're on. So I don't come to my patients and say, you have to do this because I said it. Mm -hmm. So my goal throughout this next year, over the course of a year, July to July, is to show what's truly possible if you focus on changing your lifestyle and making sure that you eat ultra low carb, higher fat, but cleaner fat, you know, more of a keto based diet. But I'm also going to implement intermittent fasting into that. Yeah, I haven't because, started that. Okay, so I want to though. Yeah, so that starts for me August one. So the first thirty days of this for me, okay, has been. I'll, I'll do August one with you. Okay, cool. So this has been ultra low carb keto to get back to it. And again, dietdoctor.com, um, They're not a sponsor of the show, but I really like the information that they have. It's a Tim Noakes, you know, sponsored website, but the information that they have is great. I mean, there's doctors, there's a bunch of video information, but they have a lot of recipes too for yeah. people struggling. And you can put in, if you want to make, if you're vegan and you want to put vegan, ask for vegan recipes, they have that available for low carb. I'm sure right? they do. I, I would think though, a keto diet would be very tough to, to be vegan keto. 
no, I there's people who do it, and there's there's Twitter people out there that have dedicated themselves to it, and it's possible. It's, you, it's possible to be vegan. You have to be dedicated to being vegan anyway. So let's let's not. They're already those people are already know that it's going to be hard to be vegan. They can't go to the average it's restaurant. It's the protein, though. It's the protein for them to get. Would I would But cheese is pro. I mean, there's protein in a lot of different stuff. They don't have to but get if it you're from a, meats. Yeah. But, soy. And, but if you're saying, it depends, vegan or... But the protein's only 15%. It's fat that they got to worry about. Yeah, but but what I'm but I'm saying, though, is like... Oh, vegan wouldn't be cheese, I guess, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, if you're, enough. like, true, like, no eggs, no cheese... It'd be yeah, kind of yeah. it'd be kind of tough if you're like a true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not eating any. No, animal. that's that's true. I mean, there's a couple of people I've seen on Twitter do it, and they said it's possible. But again, I'm not in that camp. I yeah. I support if someone wants to be vegetarian or vegan because of their ethical beliefs or concerns about how animals are treated or whatever. That's great. I do not feel that that's the best way to eat solely. If yeah, you I, want, I agree. If you want to eat that food as the as the base of your diet, that's fine. But if you need a supplement, you also have to have some meats in there, I believe. Well, I, I agree. But there again, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not repping vegan or whatever. It's just that's no. that's not how I want to. I I enjoy food too much mm. to not want to. Li- I'm already limiting. I'm limiting food that I I don't care to eat anyways. Like I don't care to eat bread. Right. I haven't eaten bread in a long time you know i don't care to eat other than that shitty cinnamon roll i ate the other day you you like sweets you know i'm not a big sweet guy yeah 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 i you know my kids and my wife are like hey we're gonna go to dairy queen i'm like good okay have a good have a good drive because see i I would i would go to the drive up of dairy queen and get like a soft serve vanilla cone and then i'd pull back in the drive up while eating that cone and order another cone wow I am sick individual because you couldn't have just ordered two to begin with. Because no, because the second one would melt. Yeah, that's where I figured. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, so let's for, be smart about this, dude. Don't be, don't fuck with me. I, mean, I know, right? I do that. This is a there's a reason behind my insanity. Right? There's and a method. There is insanity there. <laughs> so the reality of it is, I there are things that it's not going to affect me because I I I tend not to eat that stuff anyways. Okay, that's you great. Know, that's not good. a big pasta guy. I, oh, I, yeah, I care less. I, you know what? Mm. So we're so why am I so heavy? So I don't like that kind of stuff. So where am I? It's it's the fast food is mm. a big one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. May, yeah. Okay. Bread. So there's bread on hamburgers. I guess I'm not thinking that way. I'm just when I'm home. I'm thinking about food at my house. Yeah. Right. Oh, this is a real. That's a really important <laughs> segue here because. People don't view eating the same way. If I say to a, every patient, if I ask them, did you eat? What did you have for dinner? Well, I didn't really have dinner. And so, mm-hmm. and depends on the age of the patient. I've learned this over time. I didn't know this. No one taught me this. It's just something that's come up. However, when you talk to somebody, what did you eat? People will instantly dismiss like, Let's say your kid had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and only ate half of it. So you finish the other half. You will not account for that unless yeah. you write it down. Mentally, yeah. you will block that out as a consumed product. Yeah, because it was consumed first by your son or your daughter. Right. And when you consumed so they it, ate it, right, they ate it. And what did you do? 
you didn't have a meal. That wasn't even really a snack. It doesn't count. It just, yeah, it didn't count. You just finished off their food. Yeah. I agree with that. Or your wife, your wife orders a big ass steak and a baked potato and can't finish it. And she's like, do you want to finish this? And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm still hungry. I didn't eat enough, you know, because I was, you know, whatever. And you finish it. You don't account for that mentally in your intake for the day unless you're physically counting. So, Dave Feldman, who's an engineer but has been in the keto world for a long time mm-hmm. and does a ton of research on this, he shoots photos of everything he consumes. Doesn't matter how benign or big or important or less important, he shoots a photo and keeps a photo journal every day of what he consumes at every... I don't care if it's a freaking cracker. He shoots a photo of it. No, it makes sense. Because we you don't to- know... Well, like like I said, I don't eat bread, right? Mm-hmm. But hey, I I'd go to I'd go to Shake Shack, In and Out Burger, In and Out Burger, or mm-hmm. Wendy's, or whatever I was doing at the time. There's plenty of bread in all that food, and it's crap, and it's crap. It's enriched yeah. white bread, whatever. Yeah. the The point is, I don't see that as bread eating. Do you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah, because it's I, not I a can... loaf of bread from like Wonder Bread at your Correct. house. Correct. I consumed a hamburger. <laughs> right, you didn't, meat. Con- you didn't consume the individual products of the hamburger, but it's a good point, right? So, if the, That's the beauty, thing. the beauty of key, uh, keto for me is that now I'm making I'm making the majority of my meals at home. Okay, so it's not like I'm running out and getting. Oh, occasionally I'll go out and I'll get it. Say, let's say I get a double double at In and Out, but it's going to be bunless, right? Yeah, right. Which is which is fine to consume. Yeah. Like today for lunch, I went out and I went to Jimmy John's. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't have the bread. I ordered a number six, which is the the vegetarian. Mm-hmm. It's really good, dude. <laughs> Just so you know, it's really good. The number six. So it's basically it's cucumber, tomato, lettuce wrapped in lettuce. Okay. With avocado, I think avocado spread and okay. some mayonnaise in there as well. Right on. And that's it. That's good. It's so it's. I order two of them because, you know, one's not enough. <laughs> right. You know. Cause, I'm on, that's why I tell people. I'm on two diets because one doesn't feed me enough. It, it does. It really. I'm double dieting. You know, it really does. Like if I ate just that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would still re- be a little hungry. I'd want to eat something else, I think. But uh, what you found, what I can tell you about that is it doesn't have enough fat in it. It it did it, it doesn't. Well, otherwise it has some it has, it has some. some from the avocado. Yeah, but it doesn't have near and from the mayo, but it doesn't have enough fat because if there was way more fat in that meal, I guarantee you if we calculated up all of the the macronutrients in that, yeah, there's not eighty percent ratio because if you eat high fat food, oh, you're full. It'll fill you for a long period of time. Yeah, and that's the that's that's where I struggle because I I can't. I, I it's hard for me to do macros. And, you know, say right. okay, how do I how do I get more fat into this steak I'm cooking? So you need now, to, obviously it's adding butter and other things, sour cream. I don't know, whatever. Well, there's a really good app called uh, Keto, actually, um, that goes and explains. Uh, so you got a pig as the icon, and the pig looks like a scale. Right? Oh, okay. So, so you uh, can get your macros in there? Yeah. And so if you open it up, it just gives you all different foods. And you can add carbs, you can add fats, proteins, but it also gives you specific foods. So let's say you have an apple or you have uh, asparagus or an avocado. 
it'll put you can just put an avocado you get a whole avocado and if you eat it and you mark it they'll tell you how many calories how much protein how much fat of your percentages there is i'll have to try that now is that a paid no it's free it's free okay yeah it's free with uh Paid subscription to medically unbiased. I'm <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it's, it's totally free. It's funny you say that about uh, I didn't have enough fat in it. I agree. Yeah, wasn't enough fat because when I take my bullet coffee, mm-hmm. have you yet to do it yet? Yeah, I've had a few. I love them. Number okay. one. So I I do the coffee. I do. Um, it's a light brew. You go to Grouchy John's. Where are you going to get your coffee? <laughs> my house. Oh, okay. You do a home. So I do a home. So I do a light brew. Okay. Yeah, French roast. Okay. Um, I add uh, I don't know, like maybe uh two ounces or two to four ounces of uh heavy heavy whipping cream. Mm-hmm. I add my one tablespoon of butter and my three tablespoons of um uh coconut oil. Okay, MCT or coconut oil. And I mix it. I blend it. I bullet it. You bullet it. Yeah. All right. And then, then I drink it. Oh, it's so good because it's already <laughs> frothy. Yeah. You know, you've got that nice that foam on, yeah, top. on top. And because it's thick, I can easily, and I've said this to coworkers at work, mm-hmm. like when I first get to work before keto, yeah. before ever, ha- and I'm not a coffee drinker. Right. Tyler, there's, there's, I, could care less unless it was a pumpkin spice. I like, you know, I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a chick. You know, I, I you want I, your Birkenstocks and a, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. It's got to be pumpkin spice or, you know, some kind of sweet. Yeah. You know, you don't want dark coffee, chocolate you want, mocha. You don't yeah. want coffee. You want hot chocolate. Yeah. So for me to, to, to get on coffee every day, which I've been on for three weeks now. Okay. Um, that's a bit step in the crazy direction for you. It's a, it's a bit step, but let me tell you what, what I benefit from having that bullet coffee. Number one, I do get the increased fat, right? Yeah. Number two, one, one blending there's, there's actually some data out there. And of course, you know, I'm just talking off the top of my head, but it's, I've, I've been told there's been data. Oh, okay. But told, regardless, told, yeah. regardless, I've been told <laughs> by they, by they, by, by them, the ones, the people. But as you blend, as you blend up the the uh, coffee with the it not with the butter, but with the coconut oil, okay. that actually mixes um, it, it. The molecules bind with the caffeine, okay, and hence when you drink your coffee, it actually spreads the caffeine out longer, so you don't get the big hit of caffeine right off the bat. Oh, so it slows your uptake of it. It slows your it, metabolism of your caffeine over a longer period of time. That's cool. And then with with the added fat, you then you're not hungry. So if anybody knew me, when I would come to work, the first thing I would do is like, uh, before we go for a report, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go downstairs and get some food. Is that all right? Because I'm starving. I literally slept all day, I didn't eat all day, and I would come to work just hungry. Yeah. Now I come to work with my bullet coffee and I sip on it as I'm getting my report and I'm drinking it with a big smile on my face going, damn, this is good stuff. And I, I won't be, it'd be one in the morning by the time I maybe I feel. Yeah. You started at like 6 PM, right? Yeah. 6 PM. Right. So you're seven hours later before you're even feeling the need to eat. The need to eat, which is frustrating because my facility uh, to get food in the cafeteria closed at 1130. Right. 
So I need to either I need to go down and get it or have it eat packed. cold or I bring it, which is I bring it now. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, it has made such a huge difference. I don't That's feel cool. that I and I, I'm not as tired. Yeah. Um, I don't not, not I, as irritable. Yeah. I don't drink energy drinks because unless I come here because I want to be full of energy. <laughs> but the reality of it is I don't need it. Yeah. I've noticed now, of course, when you first start keto, you're going to be tired. That keto flu. I didn't get the keto flu. Everyone talks so, about it, and I didn't I, experience it I was tired. I experienced some, some, I had experienced a headache that first day. So, like, so the headache isn't from, okay, that's the misconception. The headache's from the quick, acute stoppage of carbs. Carbs. No, I get it. I'm saying. Or I, caffeine, I, depending on, sure. but you didn't stop the caffeine. Some, but, but some people, some people out there, they. You know, not only do they have the headache, they they're tired. They're you know, it's it's, it's see, the, their body's changing. Yes, correct. However, just Which like they, putting on a beta blocker, I give someone a beta blocker, and they're going to be three days. They're going to feel like crap. Yeah. So it's so hence the keto flu. That I guess no. They, I, yeah, that makes sense. I get what they're feel saying. feel like shit is what they're You're getting right. At. Yeah. So some people do. I didn't. I but. feel I I had the first one or two days. I was like, Ugh. my wife's like, you you need to get up and do something because you're just laying on a the bump couch. on a lot. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Now, I even mentioned it to my wife today. I said, you know, it's pretty nice because I haven't been tired with the kids in the afternoon. I've been great. That's cool. Plenty of energy. Been doing. And one of the better things that I think from this keto diet is that I, when I am hungry, I feel because my body says, hey, you're hungry. Not wow. because my, my body, like I'm shaky hungry or, you know, I'm thinking to myself, but, you know, I... I have all this extra fat. I should just pull from it. <laughs> right. It I'm should pulling from it. Yeah, I'm pulling from it. But now it's more of my stomach is hungry versus my mind being hungry. So, so like in other it's words, a, it's, you're not you're not in the position where it's, the bell has rung and Pavlov is <laughs> it's time for you to eat. Yeah, like my brain's not saying you need to eat because I'm I can't I can't break down the the five thousand ounces of glucose that you currently have in fat, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my 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 brain's not yeah but you're lo- lo- much less than me you only have five thousand ounces <laughs> but you know what i'm getting at yeah right? I, got, I got you so so i could burn i could burn five i could burn and my then my body would say all right it's time for food from my stomach standpoint saying you need to eat because you you are hungry naturally yeah you just your body wants substance it but Correct. it's funny have you ever experienced this i didn't experience this till i was on keto super heavy duty but i've been experiencing this more so lately that when i'm hungry i'm not hungry for crap food yes i desire like real food yeah this morning i woke up and i was hungry but used to be i'd wake up and i'd eat a couple bowls of cereal and you know I, I guarantee you throw, drink drink a glass of orange juice and head out the door, dude. I guarantee you throwing a bowl of coffee. Like if you made it yourself, yeah. I guarantee you. No, you're, but you're, this morning I ate like tons of protein. I had a bunch of eggs, some yeah. bacon, yeah. and avocado. Yeah. But I made it, and I took the time to make breakfast. Right. I didn't used to give two shits about taking the time. Yeah. But I was hungry for real food. I wasn't hungry for cereal. I wasn't craving the carbs, the carb. I was yeah. craving quality, I guess, Yeah, you know, because I would say, you know, uh, um, it'd go up. I'd have hot peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, right? When I'm 
the high, I'm like shaky, hungry, or no, when I'm the high, I'm just like, ah, I'm good. But when I get really low, even if it's sugar related, I'm like, oh, I'm shaky. I need, I need sugar. Right. That's what I need. (laughs) Now I don't, I don't, I don't, I care less about sugar to begin with. Right. So I, and it's more, it's not peak and valley. I flattened a curve. Right. In a sense. Okay. Right. I'm sure everyone can relate with flattening the curve. Oh, yeah. We've been talking endlessly about that shit. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I got you. So I flatten that curve. So I actually feel better, overall better, more energy. I can expel, expend more energy. Uh, It doesn't take a lot of food, per se, If especially if I get high fat and stuff, to to feel full and and to um, maintain. But here again, I I am going to be incorporating. I have not done it yet, but I do have, I have a couple of boxes, and I've been meaning to uh, bring you some. Is those uh, ketones? Oh yeah. So I want to. I'm curious about that stuff, and I need to go do some more research about it because Doctor Tro, you guys can look him up on Twitter, uh, T R O Doctor T R O. He has a great podcast as well, and he talks a lot about diet and um, about nutrition, and he shows pictures of when he graduated medical school how he was morbidly obese and a big fat doctor. And now he's super physically fit, not because he jogs and runs and exercises all the time, but because he does keto and intermittent fasting. And he has helped hundreds, if not thousands of patients get off medications from blood pressure meds, diabetes meds. Um, he's a super great guy. I highly suggest you guys seek him out for, for data when it comes to, you know, keto and ketosis and understanding dietary requirements that, that guy's a wealth of information. Him and Jason Fung both uh, have a lot of data. But check out Doctor Tro T R O uh, on Twitter. He can he can really guide you down that path if you're if you're curious about it and want to know more. Um, he's got a lot of info and Diet Doctor as well. Dietdoctor.com. Professor Tim Noakes and the tons of people that are there have tons of recipes for you. So to me, keto is not a diet. Just like being vegan is a lifestyle, you know. Yeah, doing keto is like now. I say that, but it comes with again a little concern because if you want if you don't have to ask people if they're vegan, they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you will know in the first ten minutes of meeting somebody. Oh, by the by the way, I'm I'm a vegan. Like I didn't ask you, but cool, I guess. Like whatever. Yeah. Um, keto's kind of that way too. Yeah. Um, but I think what, well, I think what happens is when people find successes in whatever they do, they're excited and they want other people to have that same euphoric feeling and the same success. So they tell other people more often. I mean, if you're miserable, it's not often you're on really want to feel like crap. You should have this. Nobody does that. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Um, although if you're treated like shit somewhere, you'll tell everybody. Yeah. You know? Negative negative press happens quickly when it comes to how you're treated, but how you feel by something you've done on your own. You know, if you buy a nice pair of pants, super comfortable, easy to work out in or easy to hike in, whatever you're. Yeah, Rafe on. You tell everyone about them. Oh, these are the best pants ever. You know, you have. I I I'm guilty. Fine, I'm guilty. Right. I'm I'm high maintenance. I'm a fat high maintenance guy. Okay, deal with it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. So anyway, I hope you guys got some good uh, info from this. 
I know uh, we've been hitting the coronavirus stuff and the keto stuff in the last couple of weeks pretty hard, but um, honestly, this this is the biggest stuff happening in America right now. And if we don't open the discussion to counterpoints and open the discussion to what's going on in the world and really discussing, you know, the real truths behind it, I think we're as a country we're in trouble. You know, we need the science to dictate the science. We need the scientists to stay being scientists and stop being uh, politicians if that's what they think they're becoming. I feel that we've gotten two right brain, left brain, right wing, left wing, you know, ideologies here. And that that's not helpful in a, in a truly medically scientific community. It needs to be unbiased. It needs to be a discussion. And everyone can have their opinion based on the information they have. But unless we come together and have these arguments, the counterpoints, the position changes and the differencing of differences of opinion, we're never going to get ahead. This is going to sure. drag on for eternity and our kids will never fucking go back to school. I know. Right. Um, yeah. It's a, at least here. I don't know. I don't know what other places are doing, but I know Colorado's open. Colorado's going to school. Yep. But so I was told Nye County is going to school. I guess I'm moving. Do you know how many people have said that? Like they're going to gain. I have no idea where Nye County is. It's uh, up north, right? No, that's Pahrump. Oh, is it Pahrump? Yeah. All right. I literally heard that they're going to school five days a week. That's good to know. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> if the science here again, this is the hilarity of this is the Nye County for us is literally what 30, 40 miles away from us, right? Yeah. The big city is 40 miles away. So if they're 40 miles away and they're going to school, why can't we? Yes, I, I As don't. I sneeze my COVID, but. It's all good. I'm just saying I, that. And that's a that's something we're going to have a, to struggle with, you know, next week when we have our, our next podcast is there's a couple things we I want to talk about is, is um, I want to talk about uh, ketones, uh, taking ketones, and also talk about, um, you know, the benefits, you know, of of having ketones in your blood. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think I think there's you there's need some to get really, you a meter so you can measure. I know, how many but there's some there's some good studies out there that have seen keto some, mojo have seen some significant um, benefits of burning ketones over carbs. Okay. And. Um, because the brain just can break it down a lot better. Yeah. Uh, well, next week better. I'm going to add another topic here. I'm going to talk about sleep and how it's effective. Ooh, I like good sleep. I sleep pretty good. Yeah, I found a way to measure it really well. And uh, I think it's a very important tool. Yeah. One of many out there, but I like this one. So is we'll that, talk about it next Is that uh, what's next hot? Time. What's hot? What's That'll be the what's hot, what's not. I'm what's sure. not? All right. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you have a great week in... Uh, Stay away from the Rona, would you? You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.